everyone, welcome back. This is the Stay Current Podcast. This week, we're coming back with another installment in our series with intestinal rehabilitation. Again, we're talking to two of the experts in intestinal rehabilitation from Cincinnati Children's Hospital. We have Dr. Paul Wales, the current surgical director. I'm Paul Wales. I'm a pediatric surgeon here at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And Dr. Michael Helmrath, the prior surgical director. I'm Michael Helmrath. I'm a pediatric surgeon, also doing intestinal failure surgery and research here at Cincinnati Children's. I'm Ellen Encisco. I'm Cecilia Higena. And we're with the Stay Current team. And so this week, we're kind of doing a journal club here. We're going to talk about two articles, and really they're related to medical treatment for intestinal rehab. One of the articles is about a GLP-2 analog. And the second paper talks about the enterendocrine cells and the peptides that secretes that helps manage the fluids and electrolytes to help absorb nutrients in these patients. Okay, so we'll dive into the first article. It's called Safety and Efficacy of Tadeglutide in Pediatric Patients with Intestinal Failure Due to Short Bowel Syndrome, a 24-week Phase 3 study. And Dr. Wales is actually an author on this paper. It was published in the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition back in May of 2020 papers that we talk about are linked below so you can take a look for yourself. Dr. Wales started out by telling us why this research is important. One of the tools that intestinal rehab programs have is pharmacologic therapy. One category of therapies are the trophic peptides. And the only trophic peptide that's currently approved for children is GLP-2 analog. And GLP-2 analog is called tetuglutide. Gatex is one of the brand names. Oh, and Robusto is what they call it in Canada and some other places. Now, GLP-2 is produced and released by the enteroendocrine cells in the distal ileum and the right colon. It has a, a stimulatory effect on the GI tract. You know, depending on your anatomical subtype, you have a better capacity to produce enough GLP-2 to become independent of parenteral support. Let's talk about the paper. The trial that is in the paper that we're presenting was a 24-week study, which follows the Carter paper, which was a 12-week study. And so basically this study was looking at a couple of different doses of tadeglutide. And in this paper, two doses were used. So we had either 0.025 milligrams per kilogram or 0.05 milligrams per kilogram of tadeglutide compared to the standard of care, i.e., not receiving tadeglutide. Both showed benefit, but the 0.05 dose showed a greater benefit. And, and what happened to these patients? At the 0.05 dose, 69% of patients achieved the endpoint of the trial, which was a 20% reduction in TPN support. Yeah. And 10% of kids total got off TPN. And, and in the more recent paper out of Spain, which was like a real life experience, showed even more sort of optimistic results. Which patients can actually benefit from this? You want to select patients that are medically stable. And the other consideration here is you need a family that realizes that when you start this therapy, it's going to require more frequent visits and assessments. So a kid who is 100% PN dependent, can they go on Gaddix? In case you forgot, that was Dr. Michael Helmbrath. You know, if we think about adaptation, what drives adaptation is, you know, trophic peptides is one of the parts of, of the process, but that's usually in conjunction with enteral stimulation. 
That's an important concept that's hard to teach. The fact that the light switch is turned on by feeding, but the, the amount of light in the room is gradually turned up or down based on the hormones that are augmented by GLP-2. That's another great point that you have to, even if these kids, you know, need TPN, they need it as supplementation, not for their total nutrition. There has to be something for the gut to absorb in order for the drug to work. Nutrition is key to, to growing and developing them. But the management of the fluids really presents us with the greatest challenge. And that's been one of my, my impressions that this medicine really helps us start to control that. So I think it's important to talk about mechanism. You alluded to the fact that the receptors for GLP-2 are not on the enterocyte. And yet what we're seeing clinically is that the secretory effects of short bowel that result in the high fluid secretions that challenge all of us are improved at the epithelial layer. So to explain this, what he's saying is that GLP-2 analogs work by helping to reclaim the fluid that results from feeds. And so the patients that will benefit more from this are those who are in the situation whereby the limiting factors to moving ahead are the fluid and electrolytes management. And so the challenges for the next decade, I think, involve these peptide hormones, how to utilize them in synergy with therapies, that are going to give us the better outcomes. Okay, so that was our first paper. Let's see what we have next. And this paper that Dr. Helmrath is an author of is called Enteroendocrine Cells Couple Nutrient Sensing to Nutrient Absorption by Regulating Ion Transport. And this was published in Nature Communications also back in 2020. Studies like this that allow us to study specific human conditions that can't be mimicked in animal models give us insight into understanding the nutrient sensing that we need to understand in managing these patients and probably more broadly, patients with secretory diarrhea and other conditions. Endocrine cells actually, there's many different subtypes. We know at least 20 different types of uh, endocrine cells that exist in there. What regulates the the fluid inside a cell has to do with the electrochemical shifts that occur from transporters like CFTR. Right. He's talking a lot about kind of the underlying biology for why all of this works, why all this is important. And so he's saying that these transporters, you know, that are a key part of nutrient absorption, they're regulated by these hormones like peptide YY. But the natural history of this is to understand the progression that happens early in life that you want to take advantage of in the intestine growing and developing. And the strategy of when to introduce these things is always saying should be sooner than later, but not just blindly done. And we need to like have good nutrition in order for the gut to grow. And so I think what he's saying, we have to, you know, treat the kids early enough that they have the benefit of these GLP-2 analogs so that they can be well-nourished, grow, and in the future, ideally, not have this problem. I would remind people that the number one cause of death of children in the world is fluid losses from diarrhea, malnutrition, and other other conditions. So understanding just fluid and electrolyte and how to grow healthy is going to benefit a wider population by far than what we think about with intestinal failure. And, and as a surgeon, you have to be part of the team. Again, I feel like we 
in this podcast series, we're always talking about nutrition. We're always also talking about how important multidisciplinary teams. So we need teamwork of, of peptides and hormones. We also need a teamwork of practitioners, gastroenterologists, nutritionists, dietitians, surgeons, the list goes on. Okay, so it's a pretty dense discussion we've had during today. How would you summarize it, Cecilia? Okay, so I will summarize it by saying that we have a lot of peptides that the endocrine cells secretes that help with the absorption of nutrients in the gut. And then we have this GLP-2 analog that can help our patients with the fluid and electrolyte management. So these patients that have problems with enteral nutrition because they can't manage their fluids will truly benefit from this drug. And really, you know, we talked about a couple papers here. One, a more clinical application of GLP-2 analogs and how using them in patients who are, can actually decrease their needs for TPN and maybe even get off of TPN. And then another one talk, kind of talking about the underlying biology with Dr. Helmrath. You know, one of the key issues is, is really their absorption of nutrients in the gut. And so enhancing that, optimizing that has turned out to be really key for these kids with intestinal failure. We'll see what comes next. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Stay tuned for more episodes like this. We're going to continue having conversations with Dr. Wales and Dr. Helmrath. If you liked what you heard, don't forget, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Stay Current in Pediatric Surgery app. It has all these podcast videos, a lot more. Until next time, I'm Ellen and Cisco. And I'm Cecilia Higiena. This is the Stay Current Podcast. Mm-hmm.